Welcome to Everything Leftover, our podcast on HBO's The Leftovers. My name is Justin Blizzard. And I'm Keith Krepko. And we're going to talk about The Leftovers. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought we were going to switch it up tonight. Oh, yeah? Switch it up to what? Uh, we could talk about this terrible movie I just saw them fuming about. <laughs> but let's let's talk about The Leftovers. It's yeah. Better. So no episode this week. The finale is next week. So I decided to try and rewatch um, episodes one through nine, which mm-hmm. I didn't do. Yep. Just because of time. It was a valiant effort, though. I, I have to say. I tried. For anybody who's wondering, <laughs> did he really? Tr- he did try. I tried. So I ended up watching episodes one, two, four, and five, which I felt like was good enough because episode six is all about Nora. Episode three is all about Matt. And then episode seven, eight, nine, I feel like they're recent enough to yeah. where they don't need to be revisited, right? Well, with your memory. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. But I would say, because we've been recording about the show every week and doing all, so much crap about it, you know, it's like, I, at re-watching the episodes, it was, I, it was really like, I was really like digging for stuff. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, there's not really much that I feel like we overlooked or I feel like is even a revelation eight weeks removed. You know what I mean? Good. Uh, but before we get into that, I had a couple of things I want to talk about. First, I wanted to correct myself because I, I knew that I had pronounced the, um, the, the woman's name wrong who wrote the episode. And so I went and looked it up afterwards and you know, no one has said anything to me about it, but I just have to correct it for my own, yeah, for my own conscience. And I, I think I called her Kath Lingen greater. Maybe and her name is Kath Lingen Felter, so I was, you know, totally different letter. <laughs> I was, I was close. Um, and the other thing that I had I had sort of thought about after re-listening to our podcast and after reading some stuff on Reddit after episode nine is Kevin's stance on the departure as a whole. Right. So for most of the series, we're getting this idea that he's not that interested in the departure. He doesn't really seemed that concerned that people disappeared. Who somebody call is somebody. I, th- I think maybe it's Patty in the cabin says something or, or asks him if he thinks about it. And he's just like, oh, not really. Yeah. But as we see in episode nine, Kevin is literally having sex somebody when they with somebody when they disappear. Like, <laughs> yeah. how does that lead you to be not interested in? why 140 million people disappeared. You know what I mean? Like, that's weird. He's also a guy, though, that after she disappeared, looked under the sheets <laughs> for her. Right. So, yeah, I don't think he's a great processor of information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I think if we're being generous, you can kind of chalk that up to, like, this idea that Kevin is wearing a mask for everybody. You know what I mean? Um, but it's as evidenced by his boiling rage underneath yeah, his surface. That's true. But it just seems like a weird, like I, to me, it seems it, like I said, that's to me, that's being generous, making that assumption to me. What it actually seems like is just sort of like poor planning. You know what I mean? Yeah. It goes back to your point on, you know, how much is Damon Lindelof allowing this story to kind of write itself And what is the writing process like? And are details like that left up, you know, kind of episode to episode? 
and they go back and try and clear them up as best they can. They just overlook some, you know, like yeah. like we, we have the perfect husband comment. Right. We have which, that. Which I'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, either those are intentional and they're leading up to something. They're oversights of, you know, changes and drafts that should have been caught and just weren't. Or they are inconsistencies. They're just inherent in any show, you know? Yeah. Um, so let's get into it. I, like I said, I watched episodes one and two. I skipped Matt's episode, and I watched episodes four and five. So the pilot episode, the first thing I have written down here is during Holy Wayne and Tom's confrontation, uh, I thought it was interesting that the sort of tagline for the show, the line that you see on all the promotional materials, is grace period is over. Right. And that's actually a Holy Wayne line, which I thought was interesting because... I think outside of the first episode, I'd never really looked at him as sort of a end times figure. You know what I mean? He just yeah. seemed kind of like a creep who's hugging people. Um, <laughs> but not only does he say grace period is over, he then starts to quote Acts 20, yeah. 31, which I'll, I'll read to you. It, uh, he says, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So in the very first episode, Holy Wayne has a very sort of, you know, end of the world tone that right. I didn't remember. It caught me mm-hmm. off guard, kind of. Is that something that you've, that has always stuck with you? Because to me, it seems like they got away with that or got away from that with Wayne. Yeah, I guess for, for this kind of recap episode, one thing that I would like to do is kind of bring in a little more about the book as best I can Mm -hmm. to and kind of Mm -hmm. reflect on that. And, you know, that was something too, where with Holy Wayne, he wasn't fleshed out in the book much at all. He didn't have that kind of purpose that was articulated there. So the fact that they would, you know, kind of give him that focus here was something that I, I don't think stuck out to me. Because at that point, early on, I was still kind of thinking about him as being the book Wayne as well. And and maybe wasn't focusing so much on the specifics. Yeah. So <clears throat> now that you bring that up, that I, I guess, yeah, I didn't really think about it um, in those terms. And it's interesting that they that they gave him such a clear. Right. Yeah. Kind of purpose in the in the show. Yeah. Because in the book, he. He, at least to my recollection, he doesn't have that. Yeah, and, and a lot of these, I think, are going to play into the sort of rapture theory, probably just because that's what I am leaning towards. But two, I mean, it's there. You know what I mean? It's in the actual from, show. From <laughs> the very beginning. Right. I think that's what that establishes, yeah. right? right? So, I mean, yeah, from the very beginning, they seem to be making... I guess we'll get into this a little bit more, but yeah, are people still arguing that this is not kind of a, a supernatural or spiritually focused Yeah, well, show? yeah, we will talk about that a little okay. bit later, but but yes, basically. And then the second thing I noticed, and this is I pretty soon after that scene, it's when the senator is leaving, I think, or someone is driving down the road. Maybe it's the senator, maybe it's Tom. But someone's driving and they're listening to a radio show. And a caller calls into the radio show. And that caller starts to quote Corinthians 15, um, which Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. 
but he starts to quote specifically Corinthians 15, 51 through 53, which I'll read. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Right. So, you know, right from the outset, I mean, this is the very first episode. They're establishing, you know, maybe it's not necessarily the answer to the departure, but it's very obviously a theme that they are leaning heavily on right from the beginning. And, And why wouldn't you, I guess, explore those a little more overtly? Because those are the kind of responses that I think would be very common in a setting like this, even in Mapleton. I guess it's good to see that, yeah, on a kind of national level, people are apparently kind of stuck on these yeah. explanations that are spiritually focused, but you don't see that within Mapleton. I mean, even the religious leaders like Matt in there are totally on their own thing. Right. It's not like Matt's even referenced. It's not like he's going back and reading the scripture about um, the end times and, and articulating it. Yeah. And that, and that was something that I always found interesting or surprising, I guess, that they didn't deal, I guess, more, more overtly with the spiritual aspects but they're always dancing around them i guess is what is what we see right yeah it 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 sort of it gets brought up a lot and there's also in that pilot episode um when kevin is at the bar um he asks the bartender to turn down the tv or mute the tv or whatever and it's two people debating you know what the whether or not the disappearance was the rapture yeah um and then I, i i tried to start tracking the I tried to get some sort of semblance of the Dean and Kevin relationship. So I started trying to track when their encounters were occurring, sort of what was spurring them. But like after the first two episodes, you don't there's not real you know what I mean? There's right. there's really no rhyme or reason to it. He's just right. kind of there. But I but the one thing I did notice in the in the first episode is that after, because he, I mean, the show opens with him seeing Dean, right? Right. But then the next time he sees him after that is after he's started drinking at the bar, right? So he's at the bar, been drinking, he sees Dean. I thought that might be significant. Right. But it turns out it's not. Nope. Because there's no, like, there's no through line. You know, it doesn't. Right. And not only that, like, the show opens with him seeing him like while he's jogging. So he's clearly not drunk then. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and here are some things that I forgot happened during the pilot episode. Okay. Jill broke another girl's nose. Right. Remember that? Oh, I don't. When they're playing field hockey. Now I do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You're right. Totally forgot about that. Yep. Um, I had forgot that Wayne lost the son. Yeah. It's touched on yeah. a lot in the first episode. I don't That's know if in the it's book. ever brought up again. Yeah, but it was just something that I think Wayne got kind of overshadowed by the mystery of what he does. Right. And maybe his the actor's performance. And I forgot or sort of overlooked the idea that or the fact that he lost the son as well. Right. And the last thing, Tommy has whip marks on his back. Remember that? Mm, when yeah, he goes swimming, kinda. he takes his shirt off. That's right. So it's like... Do they look fresh? No. They look like scars, scars. I guess. But I mean, I don't know what's going to come of that. 
Yeah, was he whipping himself? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? So that was the pilot episode. Second episode, uh, like I said, I was writing down the stuff with Dean. The first time he sees Dean in the second episode is during a dream. There's really right. no, I mean, yep. again, it's a dream. You know, who, and again, it's also like we know definitively that this one is a dream because they're hunting GR members, right? right. Amy wakes him up and takes him outside, and, he's, and then he's all of a sudden on fire, right? Right. But at the same time, we know later in the series that he's actually doing something during those dreams. So it's like, you know what I mean? Are yeah. we supposed to believe some of that is reality? Right. Who knows? Uh, I was looking for... I started looking for uh, biblical connections with Meg and the tree chopping, right? Yeah. And this is what I found. Matthew 3.10. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Got a bit of the fire metaphor yeah. that Patty likes. It works. It seems like a it seems like a pretty solid metaphor, right? I for what? I'm not really sure. Is Meg the tree that's not bearing fruit? Is well society guess, the tree that's not bearing yeah, fruit? Yeah, I guess here's here's a theory. Um now she is assigned that tree in some way, right? Like do, doesn't well, yeah. Lori takes her out into the woods with an axe, right? And just gives. I don't know if she even tells her to do anything. She just gives her the axe and and points at the tree or whatever. Yeah, maybe it's like you know, would this fit with the guilty remnant if they if they are saying that this is some kind of religious idea like the rapture that they are therefore the ones who are seen as not bearing good fruit. Mm-hmm. So they need to, in essence you know, tear up their own root, right? And cast it off. So it's like chop down this tree because we are basically judging ourselves. Right. Like we, no one is, is left to judge us or, yeah. or the judgment has already been, been set. So now we need to carry this out. Yeah. We need to see this through. And that kind of fits with their long-term plans as we see them through Gladys, right? That they're, their long-term plan seems to be some sort of martyrdom, you know, or punishment, yeah. you know, that they dole out on themselves. Yeah, and uh, they they have a scene a little bit later on, the scene between Meg and Lori, when Lori is uh, making Meg get rid of her grandmother's sweater or whatever. Yes. And this also speaks to the sort of uh, weirdness of the divorce and the perfect marriage idea yeah is when Lori or when Meg asks Lori if she remembers you know Meg's having a hard time getting rid of the sweater and so she's like do you even remember anymore Lori brings up Kevin right she doesn't bring up Jill or Tommy or um her baby that may or may not have departed right she brings up Kevin Right. And it's and and she says she she writes on her notepad, you met my husband today or something like that. And that's when they have the hot cop line. And so I thought that was also a little strange because a lot of people I'd seen on Reddit that some people had been like, you know, when she wrote down, I remember or whatever that was she was talking about her baby. But it's kind of like, well, if you watch the scene, it seems like she's talking about Kevin (laughs) and the sense that we got or at least that I got from episode nine 
is that they're not really like that into each other. Right. <laughs> right. Like Kevin definitely doesn't seem that into it. Right. But anyways, moving on, Christine, there's a, an interesting correlation that I noticed. Um, at the, I, I believe it's towards the end of episode two when Tommy is having his freak out in the car. Yeah. Christine says it's going to be okay. And Tommy says how, right? And that is a, the exact same dialogue exchange that Kevin and Nora have later in the series. I can't remember what episode it is, but they're like, uh, I, I think it's it's after they have dinner with Jill and Amy, right? And they're outside of the car and Nora says it's going to be okay in Kevin's house. So I thought that was, again, I don't see the, I don't like Christine and Tommy aren't romantically linked, at least mm-hmm. not anymore. I don't I just thought it was kind of an interesting I don't I don't know what the purpose of mirroring those two dialogues would be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe one of those two don't exist. <laughs> and the other one, there's only one couple that's actually in existence. Right. <laughs> then again, we have another Dean encounter when he shows up at the door and he drops off beer, right? So beer is somewhat of a through line. But yeah, I mean, is not that consistently like consistently there? So I mean why beer like it so is dean an enabler yeah of kevin because kevin is kind of an alcoholic right who knows who knows he's 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 enabling kevin's kind of downslide or right you know yeah um and so the the end the episode ends with kevin uh visiting his father in the mental hospital and the very first thing Kevin Sr. says to Kevin Jr. is the prodigal son returns, which is the name of the season finale. So I thought that was interesting because I had always, I'd seen the title a while ago and I had just assumed it was about Tommy. And it may still be about Tommy, but I think it's interesting that that is a direct quote, more or less from Kevin Sr. from earlier in the season. So it seems like it could be, hinting towards Kevin Jr. having a change of heart or like maybe following the voices that Senior and Dean are talking about. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens when he realizes what Jill has done. But it's probably not going to be... That's true. It's probably not going to push him away from the voices. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. The other way. Yeah. And with that, that, that was the first two episodes. There's Like I said, there wasn't a lot there. And I was surprised at how familiar they were. But um, with that said, I also watched episodes four and five, and I have almost no notes for them at all because it was... And I think that also speaks to kind of our issues with the episodes where it just kind of felt like not much was happening. There wasn't a lot of development in terms of character or plot in any of those episodes. Um, But the few things I did come up with for, for episode four, which was BJ and the AC which is where we kind of learn that maybe Wayne's baby is the Antichrist, potentially. But the divorce scene, it really doesn't jive with what we see in episode nine of their marriage. You know, and I think you can say, I think, you know, it. I, I don't think it's a leap to be like, you know, married couples fight it doesn't necessarily mean they don't care about each other or don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it seems weird to, to have the, 
the picture of the relationship we get in episode nine and then viewing it like in episode four, it's almost being treated as if the, the, uh, the, at least the feeling I got when I first watched it was that like these two really loved each other it and was were in ideal. a really great, uh, right. An ideal relationship. And then this departure kind of tore everything apart. And that's not, you know, how, how it was di- dis- displayed in episode nine. It was, you more or less get the feeling that Kevin wants out at right. all costs. They're on the rocks. You know? Yeah. So I thought that was weird. And yeah, it's, it's again, it's, it's this long letter about how good of a husband he is. And, and, and he also seems like shocked that this yes. would even happen. You know yes. what I mean? So it just is strange. Given right. Everything and, yeah. that we've learned since. And I mean, in, in that there's a level to which, we will never know, right, on the writing process. And, right. And if this is stuff that when it came to, you know, cut the episode together or when they came to shoot it, they were like, that page of dialogue is still in there? Crap. Yeah. Well, just leave it in because yeah. it's going to throw too much other stuff off, you know. But, right. you know, we really should have gone and cleaned that up. Um, or if all of this is kind of, purposeful and stuff like that but but also i don't think that we may ever really you know kind of find out how kevin processes things like you were saying at the beginning like um he also doesn't seem to me like a guy who's in that scene also dealing with his own infidelity you know what i mean right like that doesn't really come up yeah he, he just kind of starts screaming at her yeah it, and, and I don't know, I, I just feel like when you see the infidelity and they tease it early on and when you see it revealed, you, you'd think that he'd maybe mention that starting off or at least address it. It would come up and be like, oh, is this about her? Right. Is this about that thing? And he, right. and he doesn't. He'd so at least be more understanding of why she would be <laughs> requesting a divorce. Right, right. You did cheat on her, right, man. Yeah. You know, I, I just... So, again, we... I don't know how he processes stuff, but it just seems inconsistent. Yeah. And one thing that I um, sort of learned from these uh, earlier four episodes that I watched is in all of them, Meg is very antagonistic for a recruit. Uh, And it actually made me like her character a lot more. Because in almost every single episode, she's doing something that is just like blatantly against... The guilty remnant rules, right? But she's just like, like she's enabling Lori to more or less speak to her husband, which you get at least get the feeling that she shouldn't be doing, right? You know, and a lot of the episodes, she just is like, and that actually, I don't know why that made me like her more. Um, I think it just maybe added a a little bit of complexity instead of just like a regular someone who's just is ready to join the guilty remnant. Right? I mean, it's kind of like she wants to join, but she's maybe she's not like. She doesn't really understand the commitment she's making. I don't know. I just really like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't it because the guilty remnant are not complex? You, yeah. You, you you want complexity entered into that group because they seem so just ill thought out yeah. and just ill considered. You yeah. know, you're just like, what drove you all to to this group? And then when you see where the group is willing to go, to say like, what is holding you to this place? You know. Yeah. So, so to have somebody in there who at least shows some sparks of individuality or life, yeah, you know, I guess is one reason why maybe you could 
like that character. Yeah. And the last episode I watched was Gladys, episode five. And they only had one thing, one new takeaway from this episode that um, sort of caught my attention. And it's that the mayor, Mayor Lucy, seems to, um, when, when Kevin and Lou, I think it is, are having the confrontation about Lou calling the A- AFTEC, A-T-F-E-C. Yes. Yeah. Mayor Lucy, you know, gives, you know, sides with Kevin. And I don't know if that is just her showing solidarity for her police chief or if it's her knowing the seriousness of bringing the ATFEC into your town. You know what I mean? Like, does she know what their operation is or is she just supporting her chief of police? Yeah, and that's one of the questions I know I had earlier on is, you know, by what authority is the ATFEC, you know, getting bodies in warehouses and burning them? I mean, is this like a presidential order, like, Go find people in cults and massacre them. Yeah. <clears throat> I decree this. Congress right. has passed it. You know, like... Well, and that's something they do at the opening of episode seven, or episode two, the apple the chomping. apple chomper. Yeah. He, um, it's, it's a lot more clear. I don't know if I just wasn't watching closely enough the first time. Obviously, I wasn't because it was there. I was too thrown off by this guy's apple chomping, right? Yeah. But he's like, but they have this whole conversation where they're talking about something. He's trying to figure out what to do with Wayne. And then the woman is like, um, or he asks like, why are, why is the ATFEC so interested in this guy or whatever? Why is whoever so interested in this guy? And the woman says, well, he has senators and congressmen visiting him, right? And so then yeah. the guy declares, well, that's a case of uh, national security. So they kind of, um, I wouldn't say justify, but they lay, at least lay out the reasoning there. Like you can see it, it, this is a bureau who is kind of overplaying their hand, right? They're stepping over their boundaries. They're saying this guy, even though all he's doing is hugging, giving people magical hugs, yeah, they're using that as because he's doing it to state senators and congressmen, you know, that's causation to for the ATFEC to come in and start blowing people away I, because see, it's national security. Right. I see. I want a flashback episode showing the field agents on the ATFEC getting that call from him to go after this new group. <laughs> I just imagine them like slaughtering just this little like village. Yeah. In like the Everglades in Florida, <laughs> and they're just like, just pillaging this little town, and they're being like, "I need you, a, a new set of people," you know? Yeah. And the field agents are like, "Good, this place is drying up." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> just, just in want time. Fresh blood. We we need some fresh blood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's all I had after after rewatching the episodes, and I think if anything, I'm glad that. I haven't been, we haven't been so off base, at least I feel like. In our discussion. In our discussions. Um, I th- pretty much stand by, you know what I mean, what I've said. And so, I, you know, like I said, I went back, I was looking for things, and there just wasn't much there. Outside of what we've already discussed. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not that they're terrible, there's nothing there. It's just I feel like 
we covered them pretty well. So in rewatching the episodes, did you find that you like them better the second time, worse, same? Do you not have feelings like that either yeah, way? I would say the same. The I, same. I, 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 nothing struck me as inherently better, and nothing was like this is you know way worse. Right. Uh, although I will say, you know what? There is one aspect, and I know that we were really harsh <laughs> on this guy in our last episode, but Chris Zilka's acting is. It is not good. It yeah. is. I don't. And you know. And and a lot. And someone has. You know. Uh, on 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 the Reddit discussion, somebody raised a really good point that a lot of goes in. A lot of, a lot goes into that performance. It's not just Chris Zilka. It's also the director and whoever and who is that and blah 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 Producers. blah. Producers. Regardless, whoever's fault it is, it's bad and it is somebody's fault. Like he just does not fit in the show whatsoever he he feels like he is acting on a completely different show yeah um and and i brought this up too on on the red page i do kind of wonder you know how the directing works because directors are brought in per episode yeah but, that's an interesting question yeah but but you know things are also filmed out of sequence a lot of times and sometimes it's based on logistics you know like yeah. we have to go here to film this this director can't get here, so we're, we'll just film those. So, like, second unit take a lot of, you know, kind of role um, or, or, or runtime. Um, so, you know, you have these different directors, and I just wonder, yeah, how many of them are, were there some who are like, what's this kid doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, well, I, I'm not, you know, I'm here for this right. episode. Right, this is um, episode seven, so they must be cool with this by now, right? Exactly, yeah. or like, yeah, like, how would you feel if you're doing episode five and you're like, do I give him notes on his acting? Like, right. do I want to change his character drastically midway through? Uh, and, you know, and there are some that probably aren't focusing on that. Yeah. So it does seem like that is a crack in television that that you could potentially see happening. But then you see, like, shows like Breaking Bad, you know, their side characters were pretty much the same and solid all the way through, yeah. you know? And um, so, I mean, it can be done. So yeah. that's my slight defense for him, but ultimately I end up on your side saying he he is not good. Yeah, yeah. That that was the one thing that I mean, even um Holy Wayne I didn't mind as much. Really? Yeah. Like like look, I'm not again, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not like defending his performance, but it didn't strike me the way that Tom's performance does the, the, did the second time watching it. I guess I saw Wayne and I just thought like that's Wayne. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> what I'm expecting. There he is. Whereas I'm watching Tom, like I'm watching the scene where he's waiting for Wayne to call him on the cell phone at the bus stop, and it just is like, man, it's just like there's there are moments, there are moments of it. Not to get too far into this rabbit hole, but there are moments of it that are good where he's like reading the flyer or whatever and reacting to the flyer. But then yeah. a, sp a split second later, he just is like, it's like stage acting. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, he's acting for people that are sitting 500 feet away from him or whatever. It just is like, man, he's really going over the he's top. He's acting for the back row. Right. That's and what you like, gotta do. Yeah. So it, that, that, that really caught me off guard, but let's move on. Um, unless you had anything else to say about the series up until now. Nope. Okay. So, some theories. 
The first one I wanted to talk about is one that I have seen all over Reddit, and it's one of those where I don't even know what to say, right? And part of that is because there's really not a theory, right? The theory is aliens, right? Period. Exactly, period. (laughs) There's no theory behind it because there is literally no evidence of it in the show, right? There's nothing in any of the episodes that anyone has pointed to to say aliens outside of there just being a mysterious disappearance that can't be explained. But with that being said, like a lot of people are just like, yeah, I've been thinking this too. What if it's aliens? But it's like, all right. (laughs) Like point to something in the show, please. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. I have, look, I have no issues if it is aliens, but it's like, show me something. Like, what is your theory? Maybe in this case, the absence of points is the point. Maybe. That's a good not Uh, point. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I will say, uh, Boomer, who I think we talked about on the last episode, had emailed me, and his theory included aliens. And it was, uh, or it is, it's a really well, his email was a really well thought out point. And I think he makes a, a perfectly fine logical argument for aliens being a possibility for the show. Right. With that being said, he also doesn't actually reference anything from the show pointing to aliens. It just is, he sort of logically breaks down what the departure could or could not be. Here are the two possibilities. You know, if we're looking at a supernatural sort of religious thing, it could be this. If not, the only other explanation would be, you know, an alien technology or something that we don't understand. And it's a, it's actually a really well thought out argument. But like I said, it does. It's not really pulling any examples from the show. And <laughs> and <laughs> I responded to that email. And so hopefully he's listening to this. I responded to that email a few like a week ago, maybe it was a while ago now. And I wanted to I wanted to share it on our website so other people could read it and I could get other people's sort of perspective perspectives on it. Because like I said, I thought it was really well thought out and it was long, you know, and I could tell he put a lot of effort into it. And I really didn't want that effort to just be like wasted on just like an email exchange between me and him. So I asked him, I was like, hey, do you mind if, you know, I take this alien thing and, you know, give you credit, of course, but share it on a website, get some feedback on it, blah, blah, blah. And I haven't heard anything from him since. <laughs> so maybe that freaked him out a little bit. But right. we'll see. The other theory, and I know I keep bringing this up and I need to stop. But the idea that like the people that we're watching are actually the ones that departed and the people that departed were actually the ones that stayed. You know what I mean? It's like if if that is true, like the reason that hasn't worked in any other shows, like I think this show is St. Elmo's Fire, right? Yeah. Where everything is revealed to be a dream at the end is it's kind of like if the very base premise of the show is not true there's literally nothing else in the show that we can believe, right? Yeah. Like you have to start, so you have to have a foundation of belief, right? And if the premise is not true, then, okay, then fine. I grant you, I'm going to grant you the idea that 
the people we're watching are the ones that are actually departed. If that's the case, then I don't even know if Kevin's name is Kevin because you don't know if anything is true, right? Yeah. I don't even know if Kevin Kevin could be a could the humans could be the dogs and the dogs could be the humans. You know what I mean? Like you just don't know anything if that's the case. There's a theory. Get on Reddit. Yeah. I think that's a good um transition because a lot of people have been I guess based on the preview for the last episode anticipating that something humongous is going to happen in the final episode I, like I a don't lot of, a lot of people are predicting like something bigger than the departure to happen yeah. at least on red from what I'm seeing on reddit uh, re- really quick are you I'm not at all no I, yeah. I mean I'm assuming that they do something with these loved ones figures and people get upset about it yep that's pretty much what I expect. It's going to stay with the characters. I'm not anticipating any insane shenanigans involving golems or even second departure. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not expecting any of that. Yeah. Um, do you expect anyone to like uh, another thing? I think uh, something else that is popular on Reddit is, let's say, the guilty remnant. Are putting uh, putting loved one. Lori is putting loved one figures in Nora's house. Nora's going to use her gun to kill Lori. No. Yeah, I, I don't see it either. It seems a little. It seems uh, like you're jumping the gun. If you'll pardon the pun, <laughs> right? You know what I mean, though. Like you can't just. I don't think you. Do right. you think anybody is going to die in the finale? No. Yeah, I watched the preview. I don't really remember it that well, but yeah, I, I maybe I, there's I, a house fire. Yeah, something was on fire. Something's on fire. Yeah. Is it a dream or reality? We yes. don't know. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about donations and supporting the show because that was raised earlier this last week. So I wanted to quickly say thanks to there's a Reddit user uh, who we've mentioned before. His name is I'd rather be lurking. And he just has been very supportive. He's been very vocal on Reddit about his support for the show, and he's provided a lot of really great feedback. So we want, I want to say thanks to him. Uh, but he raised a question about donations earlier this week. And so I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, and, and donations to us or the show, it's not something that we're interested in. While we appreciate people wanting to donate, uh, if you want to support us in any way, you know, just leave a review on iTunes or listen to our other podcasts or, you know, recommend it to your friends. And, you know, listening every, I would just say listening every week or providing some kind of feedback on Reddit or email or whatever that be. Or, like I said, just listening to it once a week. That is support enough for us. For the time being, at least. Yeah. Eventually, right? Eventually, we'll start coming for your pocketbooks. Exactly. (laughs) When we incorporate. Again, the donations and all of that are appreciated. Or the the suggestions are appreciated. But if you really want to support our show in any way, you know, like I said, review us on iTunes or whatever you listen to podcasts on. Listen to our other podcast, which is called Everything is Interesting. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's about it. Right? Yeah. Email us. Yeah. Send Engage. Us get, get on Reddit. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But we'll be back next week for the finale. 
you know, anything else you can find in our show notes, email addresses. Uh, we're on, the show is on Twitter. You can follow us at Brown Blue White. I am on Twitter. I'm at Blizzard with nine Z's. And Keith is on Twitter. At Things Come Right. At Things Come Right. Um, and yeah, that's it until uh, next week. Thank you.